It says live. Hey, we're live. Hey, everybody. This is Justin again. I'm with Tyler. Tyler, how do you say your last name? Rablin. Hey, Tyler Rablin. That's right. Well, Perfect. this is um, the GEG Washington show, and this is a Meet a Community Member edition. And again, I'm here with Tyler Rablin from the, is it Sunnyside School District? Exactly. Yep. Eastern Washington, outside of Yakima. Just south, yeah. Yes. Well, um, so Tyler and I recently just met face-to-face -face for the first time at uh, NCCE down in Portland, where he was a presenter and I was a presenter. How did your presentation go, Tyler? Uh, felt like it went pretty well. I, I talked really fast, which I needed to do to get through everything. So uh, hopefully, hopefully some stuff stuck. Yeah, I mean, I think it was standing room only. It was pretty packed, so that's uh, that's what that's what you like to see. Um, what uh, what are you uh, what are you currently doing? What's your role there in Sunnyside School District? So I am right now. I'm a high school ELA teacher uh, out here in Sunnyside. I have freshmen. It's my first year with freshmen, so that's been a fun. Uh, it's been a fun handful, uh -huh. uh, and I have juniors too. So. Um, I'm full-time in the classroom right now. I do spend some of my time uh, doing some tech trainings with other teachers and stuff, but I am fully in the classroom this year. Nice, nice. Um, I taught middle school uh, for over a decade, so I, I think maybe there's some similarities between freshmen and, <laughs> and middle school. <laughs> I would agree. You must see quite a difference between your juniors and your freshmen. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's night and day. As soon as they get their license and a job, they're a new person. So there you go. There you go. That's right. <laughs> um, so how did you come to be connected with the GEG? Yeah, uh, I actually this year. So this is my fourth year in the classroom, and this is really the first year I got plugged into Google Plus in general, but definitely the GEG Washington community. Uh, I, when I got up here to Sunnyside, they have a, a pretty strong learning network community in Google Plus for their district. And as okay. soon as that was, I guess that was my, my Google Plus gateway was uh, the SSD learning network. And then I found the GEG Washington network. And it's been a, a great experience connecting with a ton of educators. So you just happened upon it um, just by searching or something? Well, so as soon as I did uh, join the SSD learning network, I actually started my Google certification. And uh -huh. one one of the first things they push is find your GEG, um, okay. and so that's uh, that pushed me in the right direction there. <laughs> it's funny. Google Plus has been around for a while, but um, it's not exactly the most uh, prosperous social network. But at least it's being used for <laughs> for some things, right? Yes, yeah. It's it's not getting ignored, fortunately. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so talk to me about. So this is your what? How many years have you been in the classroom now? Uh, this is only my fourth time in the or fourth year in the classroom right now. Right. Okay. So what what did you what what did you do before? Like what what where did you get your training? What have you what have you done in the past as far as um, th any things you like to do? Passions, hobbies, jobs, that sort of thing. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So um, I did undergrad. I was up at Western. Go Vikings. Mm -hmm. uh, and did my master's uh, down at Lewis and Clark in Portland. Um, and then I actually spent three years down in Portland um, in Milton Freewater, which is like pretty small district just south of Walla Walla across state lines. Um, and it was a cool experience because being a small district, um, there were a lot of possibilities and, and a, quite a bit of freedom to uh, take some leadership roles and, and really push myself. So tech definitely became one of the first things I jumped into um, and I got 
to go to actually my first year teaching. My principal took me to NCCE and got me hooked there. Um, uh, so that that was my first step into tech, really. Um, yeah. I hadn't done really anything else with it. Okay. Um, and then what do you do in your what do you do in your free time? I am I spend pretty much every weekend I can outside. Um, I am an avid hiker and camper and backpacker, so uh, I spend all week working with technology and all weekend escaping it pretty much. <laughs> I, I, I love the way you put that. That's awesome. Um, cool. So do you, are you like hardcore, like uh, do you rock climb? Do you any sort of like hardcore out, outdoor activities or anything? No, I actually just got back from Smith Rock State Park near Bend and that's like rock climbing heaven. Um, yeah. But I, neither my fiance or I rock climb. And so we were out there camping. And of course, you have all the like hardcore rock climbers coming up to us asking about our climb. And I just felt like I had to look at them and say like, no, we're just hikers. Like we stay on the <laughs> ground. So uh, we, we just do a lot of a lot of walking, a lot of walking with the stuff on our back is, is there you go. What we do. Cool. Well, yeah. let's let's get into some of the nitty gritty now that we know a little bit about you. Um, I'd like to know a little bit about some of the things that you've been doing with Google, um, Google products and services inside your classroom. If you could share a story or two. Yeah, um, this year has been a good shift for me. I think my first three years I was doing a lot of, uh, I guess, just a lot of substitution. I would know, okay, they have to, they're going to write an essay. And so instead of pen and paper, we're using Google Docs. Um, and so it was a lot of substitution. And this year, um, it, I focused more on, okay, there's this tool available. Instead of how can I do the same thing, how can I change it? Um, or how can it mm -hmm. enhance some aspect of my classroom? So um, differentiation has always been kind of a struggle for me. And um, this year, I've started using Google Forms a lot for differentiation. So they can, um, if you set up a multiple choice question, they have branching options or their go to section feature. Um, and mm -hmm. so I, it's, I can set it up so if a student, uh, they'll answer a question, and if they get it right, they'll just kind of move on to the next question. But if they get it wrong, it'll jump them to a review section. So I can actually, instead of having them take a quiz and then reteach after, it's uh, like reteaching during a quiz or activity. Um, uh, and that, that's been really helpful for a lot of my students who generally struggle on quizzes, because they, um, they know even if they get it wrong, there's reteaching coming right away. Um, so like getting it wrong isn't the end for them. Um, so that's been one of my new pushes this year is sort of getting those, I guess, self-paced activities where students can learn what they need to learn or skip what they need to skip, um, things like that. That's nice. So um, when, when Tyler, when you say substitution, uh, you're referring to the, in the ed tech world, we have what's called the SAMR model. Yeah. And the, the lowest level of that model is what we call substitution. So just using a digital tool to replace an analog or non-digital tool, um, kind of like Bloom's taxonomy goes from lower order to higher order with the SAMR model. It, it pro progresses up from substitution to augmentation to modification to, to actually redefining the learning task or the learning experience. Um, so I just want to make sure our listeners understand kind of when you said substitution, what that was. Um, the Google form that you're, you're using for differentiation, I first came to know that as the impossible to fail quiz. Mm. Um, there was a gentleman that blogged about the use of a good, the go to section within Google forms to, um, 
you know, if someone gets the answer wrong, well, they can be taken to um, some remediation where they can learn exactly why, you know, what, how they got that particular thing wrong. Um, so have you found that the work you put into creating these, these types of differentiation experiences in Google Forms, do you find that the time is worth it? Yeah, I do. Um, from a results perspective, um, students are willing to spend a lot more time learning the concept um, instead of, I think sometimes if students take a quiz and fail it, it's so discouraging to them that they don't ever learn it versus this way they're, it's a little bit more positive or positively geared where it's, mm -hmm. if you get it wrong, you're, you're, uh, you're failing forward. You're making those mistakes that that actually improve your learning and students are starting to see that connection. So it does take a little while to set up up front, but I think when you see the student who normally gives up actually really going for it um, and being willing to learn something they don't know right now, I mean, I, it, it could take as long as it needs to up front and, and that's definitely worth it in the long run. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. It's almost turning the act of, of quizzing or test taking into a learning opportunity as opposed to an assessment of your learning. It's using that as and in the process mm -hmm. of learning, which I think you'll find if you were to research things that um, that act of having to recall things and to do it often actually is part of the learning process. Yeah. That's what I've been reading about lately. Nice. Cool. Well, I want to make sure you get a chance to talk about your blog, um, <laughs> which so Tyler has been sharing blog posts in our community for some months now. How long have you been doing it? Uh, it started, I think I started mid-March. Um, and the goal was 30 blogs in 30 days, but it turned into like 14 blogs in 14 days and then a spring break trip to Utah. So I didn't <laughs> quite uh, meet my challenge, but I, I, I've kept it rolling since then. Okay, you, you were trying to do one of those 30-day challenges. I yeah. see. Um, so what, uh, what inspired you to start this blog and to share these posts? Um, switching to a new school this year, it's, I'm, it's, it's been a great switch for me. The, the district and school are great, but it's, especially I think in ELA, our content is entirely new when the texts change. Um, and so it's, it was a lot of work and I felt like I was falling into a rut of almost back to my first year teaching where it was just keeping my head above water for a while and I wasn't trying to innovate. I wasn't trying anything new. Um. Mm -hmm. And I kind of thought back to the times of teaching where I was really motivated to try something new and really enjoying teaching because there was all sorts of new new ideas going through my head. And, and it really came down to uh, how much reflection I was putting into my teaching. And, and blogging has always been a really good way for me to, to process a little bit more deeply and slowly and, and really think through some new ideas that are, that are confusing to me right then. But by the time I'm done blogging, I, I feel like I have them ironed out normally. Do you feel like um, when you're blogging that you're really blogging more for you than for sharing it with the world? Yeah, it, it depends on the post. Some of them are, um, if they're tips and tricks, I'll, I'll blog those and share them. Um, but a lot of my posts, especially recently, have been uh, geared pretty heavily in, heavily in helping me understand a concept more deeply that I maybe I use right now, but I don't think it's super effective in my classroom. I'll, I'll spend some time mm -hmm. blogging to, to try to uh, understand what I could do better. Do you share your writing with your students as a way of modeling for them? Yeah, I have. Actually, um, I had a conversation with 
um, some of my freshmen, they were asking questions about introductions and, and what they're supposed to look like. And I was, I was pulling up examples from other people's writing. And finally, I said, you know, let me show you how I do it. And, and I pulled up a few of my blogs and, and explained why I tried to start with a certain hook or why I included something in my introduction. And they, uh -huh. I showed them introductions that were multiple paragraphs long. And it was just fun for them to, for us to be in it together and them to see me as a writer as well as their teacher. And, and it, it developed a good conversation there about the purpose of an introduction and why we write introductions as opposed to what are the rules for an introduction? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Would you or do you have your students blogging? This year, I don't. Uh, new curriculum, I'm getting used to it. Um, I have in years past, especially for some of my more um, hesitant writers. Um, mm -hmm. I will, I'll point them to, um, a lot of my students used to do public blogs, but I'll tell them, hey, just do a private blog and share it with me, or just do a, you know, set your, your privacy restrictions so that I'm the only one that can see it. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it becomes more of a conversational writing piece, so they see it as a communication tool as opposed to just something where they're going to turn it into me and I'll give it back, and, and that's that. Um, so uh, I really, I like blogging in the classroom a lot and having students blog. Um, especially if they get to choose their topic. I've seen some really good writing come out of blogging when they get that freedom to choose what they want to write about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk in particular about a blog post that you've written. Is there one that you think would be um, your best post or one that has gotten the most traffic? I noticed there's one that, that got like eight comments or something, and it was the one about pacing guides. Um, <laughs> but is there one in particular that you would like to highlight? Um, I, I do think the one about pacing guides I would, I would recommend only because it asks hard questions. Um, and I think a lot of times in education that can be helpful to start asking those hard questions that sometimes are, we make assumptions of what's best because it's what we've always done. Um, and so I would point people towards that one. And actually one of the other ones that got the most, uh, I guess the most reaction from teachers was one. Uh, it was a it was a rough night for me. I'd been struggling and and feeling really overwhelmed, and so I took time to just blog about that about how it feels to be an overwhelmed teacher sometimes. Um, and uh, a number of of teachers really connected with that because I think a lot of us have felt those evenings where we've worked all day and we're still not totally ready for tomorrow, and there's always more that can be done. So uh, those two, the one. Uh, on pacing guides and also the, the one, it's, I think it's called for those with shaky hands and high heart rates or something like that. So here's the one, um, the pacing guides one. Um, maybe it was the catchy title that, that drew people to this one, Demilitarizing <laughs> Our Curriculum, A Hard Look at Pacing Guides. And I have to admit, I haven't read this post all the way through, but what what's the gist? Um, I mean, is, is, the, is the message here that, um, Pacing guides are not meant to be a day-to-day. A -day. Um, you must be at this point, at this stage in the game. Yeah, that was the the whole premise behind it. It was, you know, there's there's no way to know how long it's going to take anybody to learn anything. Um, and so, going back, I always I always blog, and it, of course, the revision is is a never-ending process. I would change a few things, but the mm -hmm. the focus was if it's very activities driven for your pacing guide and every student has to do this activity every day, I think that can be um, 
it can kind of be harmful to some students who, when they fall behind, they feel really far behind because they can't keep up with the activities instead of focusing on pacing as um, a, a growth model of, you know, we're learning the same thing or repeating, uh, we're assessing standards multiple times. So, you know, your pacing is where are you at now? Okay, let's grow from there. Um, as opposed to, did you get this activity done? Let's move on to the next. And that, that's the premise behind that post. Got it. So I see that your blog is teacher. The name is teacher totter. And Correct. The, the URL is actually teacher dash totter dot blogspot.com. Um, where does the title derive itself from? <laughs> um, it's, the goal As is in Peter Totter. Yep, that was part of it because there, there's always going to be ups and downs. Um, and I wanted to be a little bit, I think teeter totters bring up a very playful time for a lot of people when they're young. And, and I think in teaching, sometimes we forget that, um, you know, as, as a teacher, when you're creating curriculum, play is really important. Um, and so I, I wanted to bring up both those ideas of the up and down, but also the playful aspect of teaching that sometimes can be overlooked when we get really busy or we just kind of get swamped and forget about it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. Even in the in the upper grades as well, right? Even as a high school teacher. Oh yeah, I, I love. I'll do some days to kick off units. If I'll have them, I'll have like a for the Great Gatsby. I have a, a roaring. Uh, Roaring Twenties alphabet book, and we'll sit around as if we're back in first grade and, and read it. I'll read it aloud to them, and their juniors sitting on the floor loving that it's reminding them of their childhood. So it's, I, I yeah. think play is important at all levels. Absolutely. Um, so other than uh, following your blog at teacher-totter.blogspot.com, how else can people connect with you online? Uh, probably the best way is uh, I'm on Twitter. It's at Mr. Underscore Rablin. Um, probably the quickest way to find me and get in touch with me is is through Twitter there. Nice. Well, I hope people do um, get in touch with with Tyler and subscribe uh, to his blog and you know respond when he posts in our community. Um, one of the great things for me that I love about education in the twenty first century, is that I can can get to know people virtually. Um, that's often my first uh, interaction with someone, but then I can go to a conference and get to meet somebody face-to-face, -face, and it really kind of cements that connection, and it can grow and develop from there. So um, I do want to thank you, Tyler, for taking some time out of your busy day to to share a little bit about who you are and what you do and kind of what, what, what kind of motivates you to, to be the teacher that you are. So thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It was great to talk to you. All right. Uh, that does it for this edition of Meet the GEG community member, Tyler Rablin. Uh, until next time, folks, we'll see you later. Bye-bye.